Hey gang, uh, Greg here, and before we start proper, uh, I wanted to say, as I uh, forgot to mention this during the episode, uh, but I did include the conversation I had with Simon Barrett uh, from the seance screening that I did mention during the episode, and it does contain spoilers, uh, so if you can, watch it in advance, then come back to the conversation as it's it was a blast, uh, so... I now hand it over to Phil to officially get us started. This is Phil Fondicaro from Return of the Jedi, Garbage Pail Kids, Troll, Ghoulies 2, Land of the Dead, Willow, Bordello of Blood, Blood Dolls, Creeps, Meridian, Phantasm 2, you name it, I've been in it. Now listen, hey, this is our Nightmare Joke Hit podcast. Consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that celebrates the entire catalog of Stevie B. <laughs> My name is Greg D. <laughs> yes, Stevie B. I'm Genius McGee. <laughs> and on today's episode, <laughs> uh, we're closing out October <laughs> by celebrating all things Hollow's Eve, and we start by getting a little deja vu by revisiting 2014's The Guest. And whether you've taken a blowjob shot or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your cosmopolitan hole. <laughs> Actually, I've taken both. I've enjoyed both. Yeah? If you put an umbrella in it, I, I will drink it. Do you do you remember that old kids in the hall? Uh, Chick drink drunk? Yeah. Or girl drink girl drunk? Girl drink drunk? Oh, yes. <laughs> Get a chocolate, chocolate choo-choo. <laughs> my downfall, my friend, my downfall. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, speaking of downfall, uh, technically, social media-wise, uh, you can find us- uh, Chocolate choo-chooing? On Twitter at Nightmare Junk. <laughs> And on both Blue Sky and Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, but it is only on the Book of Face, where you will find an events tab, which will lead to shenanigans and dreamy shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, October 20th, uh, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com, where they will mm -hmm. have your dreamy shenanigans taken care of both indoors and virtually. Perfect. And, ver and outdoors as well, I guess. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We're still. We're still, that's right. Not cold enough yet to take us out of there. But more importantly, head on over to the Friday Night Fright tab. And the Friday this episode is releasing, our latest Friday Night Fright legit might be my favorite 80s horror film. Mm -hmm. I think it has the best of like special effects works, thanks to Steven John Steve Johnson. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cocaine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think you have some of the best character work. Character development, too. I mean, it's one of those ones where it's like 
the best of both worlds. You have those old school universal horror monster in a modern eighties feel, modern eighties. But you know what I mean. Tom Holland's Fright Night is my favorite horror film from the nineteen eighties. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I think it should be on the Mount Rushmore of uh, vampire movies from the eighties. Some good stuff from the nineteen eighties. Now that being said, then uh, looking forward to the next Friday Night Fright that is actually closing out Shocktober. Do you like scary movies? We hope the answer is yes. And the answer mm-hmm. is yes because anytime we bring back Wes Craven's Scream. The OG. The, the OG. That you, you remember back in 1996 where you were when that one came oh, out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the theater watching it. Yeah. And like, oh, they killed Drew Barrymore. Spoilers. <laughs> and that's a dragon I have been chasing, like being that scared in a movie mm-hmm. since 1996. Right. It still packs a punch. It is incredible. It is incredible. Now, The other non-horror repertory screenings that are happening the weekend of the 20th. Mm -hmm. It's an anime film, Genius, so I'm going to throw out the title. Mm -hmm. Let's see if you're familiar and if you dig it. Mm -hmm. Kiki's Delivery Service. Kiki's Delivery Service is the shit. Okay. Dude, another Ghibli classic, dude. It's fun. It's cute. It's it's really good. Was that one? Now, did you see that as later in life? Later in life. And I believe they've been doing a whole run mm-hmm. of Studio um, Ghibli. Studio Ghibli. So if this is uh, if you if you've been waiting to see it in a the theater, this is the way to see it. Now another one, and I'm really curious to see if <laughs> person sitting off mic also saw this sought this one out either in the theater or when it came out by a DVD. But genius, how familiar you are with Britney Spears' Crossroads? Oh, I saw Crossroads. We saw Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to go see that Britney Spears movie and beat creeps? Yeah. And you know what the fucked up thing about Crossroads is? Here's the fucked up thing about Crossroads. Britney Spears is the villain in Crossroads, okay? Interesting. Because, Interesting. because her friend gets caught in that accident. Her friend is the dream to become this famous singer mm-hmm. and become huge. But Britney Spears is like, oh, I don't want to do it. Takes her spot and becomes huge in her place. I feel bad for Tara Manning. Like, Tara Manning didn't do nothing. Oh, that's Tara Manning's in it. That's right. She plays the sad sack in this one. She plays, like, the Lily Taylor of it. And I'm like, Brittany, you took her dream. Tara Manning, she's going to get a reckoning. That's... (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's one of those that I assumed you both sought out kind of like... And I didn't know, though, if it was, like, kind of a bring it on where the movie itself transcended the reason you went. Yeah. Or if that's one of those, nah, it was fine. It's it's br- fine. It's, it's, a, it's not a classic like Britney, like like Bring It On, but at the same time, man, fuck Britney Spears. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I love, but in that movie, Britney Spears, she she's the villain. She's just like, because it ends all happy. She winds up taking the dude's man and the dream and everything. I'm like, that's a shit friend. Your friend's in the hospital, like on her deathbed, and you're over there taking her dream and her man. That's some bull shit. So it took you for a, a journey then. <laughs> Apparently, my goodness. So this is your chance to take that theatrical journey up there. <laughs> oh, spoilers for Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one where the scene where she sells her soul to the devil to become... Oh, that's a different Crossroads. Yeah, there's a karate kid doing that one, that's I believe. Right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Now, the horror-related screenings that are going to be happening uh, this week in... Shocktober screenings. We're going to shock you quick here. We've got quite a few to get through, uh, but we've got 1987's 
The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Talking about vampire films again right? from the 1980s. That's going to sell out. Uh, we've got Screening Outdoors, a film that is celebrating its 30th year of both terror and laughs. Uh, we've got Hocus Pocus Plane. Mm-hmm. Amok, amok, amok. Amok, amok, amok. A movie I'm going to be watching for the first time. We're going to be watching for Patreon, actually, uh, Mad Monster Party. Sweet. Really, really looking forward to that. Rankin and Basque's yes. Halloween. Yeah. Who ever heard of a jack-o'-lantern in the box? The only thing, excuse me, and I'm really upset I realized I didn't put this in. I should have, for the pre-show, put in that This is the holiday special one? Yes, I'm kicking myself for that. But you can make it a double feature, a universal double feature, with both The Mummy and The Invisible Man. Sweet. Mummy's rad. The Invisible Man goes hard. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. A lot harder than you think. From the 1990s, we've got The Craft. We are the weirdos, mister. And then going old school, silent film, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. That is slick. German Impressionism and you know, a freak out ending. I actually was lucky enough to watch that the first time with the Invincible Czars. Down at the old Alamo yes, days? Yes. And that... It's rad, immer- isn't it's it? It's immersive and you forget... How fucking weird it is, too. Well, and you also realize just how you know much it has influenced other horror films, and mm-hmm. just how striking it is. Yeah, and it also it it holds up. It holds up really, really well. Uh, now, speaking of Shocktober, though, and all the films that are going on, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Dirtbag uh, Cinema Podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, Stephen and Scott, as they helped out this year's Carpenter Fest. Nice. So, shout out to everyone that attended this year. Uh, they took in. The Fog, The Thing, and Carrie. Nice. Nice lineup. But again, as we have said many, many times. I I think I speak for my guests (laughs) when I say we need at least vampires, if not preferred vampires and ghosts of motherfucking Mars. It's when Ghost of Mars happens. I actually would like you to come in wearing a wig a la Statham with hair. Just in honor of that, if we can make that happen, okay. At least a casual agreement with that. Sweet. Now sweet. we're gonna make it. We're gonna lock it in. We gotta get. We gotta get. We gotta get close to Mars on the big screen, dude. We got at some point in time, even if it's a freaking Friday night fright. Mm-hmm. It should be a Carpenter Fest. Should be a headlining a Carpenter Fest. But yeah, weird editing aside and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, again, hope everyone had a good time Jason out there. Statham. Now, um, whether we see you indoors or outdoors, uh, it is good to see you uh, mingling with the Screenland film family. But genius, if we're talking film family. Hey, bellies. We also have our film family members uh, gathering at Patreon. And regardless of the tier, uh, they're going to be hearing my thoughts. Uh, first time watch, actually, from a filmmaker that we both love that actually produced Probably the horror film from the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Bigelow in Near Dark. Nice. It's a film featuring uh, a favorite actor of all of ours here, uh, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and it's very much a warm-up for his turn as Raven in Streets of Fire. Uh, it's a little film called The Loveless. Mm. Have you seen it? Heard of it? No. Okay. It. I had never heard of it myself. Did a deep dive into his movies and Catherine Bigelow, saw they collaborated. I'm like, okay, I need to watch it. Is he a creep? He's 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 playing basically he's he's playing Raven. He's playing a motorcycle bad boy. Yeah. He has a line at one point in the trailer where he says, Yeah, we're going nowhere. Fast. 
Dun dun dun! I'm like, holy shit! So is this like Raven Origin? So if like that if you shit. wanted to watch it, you had to watch this. Then you watch Streets of Fire. Then you watch like the Further Adventures of Tom Cody. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. So highly recommend checking it out. But you can hear my thoughts huh. on watching that for the first time. Uh, in fact, I realize now. Over at this point, we've got over forty different commentary tracks. Nice. Forty some odd new horror episodes, and also over five hundred. Many episodes of, again, movies I'm watching for the first time. Sweet. We had a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. And speaking of watching movies for the first time, don't forget that on Saturday, October 28th at the Glenwood Arts Theater, Mm. we are going to be guest judges at the Independent Film Council of Kansas City's Horror Short Showcase. And so for more information, make sure you go to their link on Facebook, on the Book of Face, on the Twitter, or go to IFCKC dot com and it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to that be if anything first time viewing yeah on upcoming filmmakers mm-hmm. upcoming local local filmmakers. filmmakers and that means probably i'm gonna be meeting people for the first times i'm i can be prepped prepared i can be a good networker i can be good in public and not the socially awkward interview you're doing great you're doing better than me <laughs> uh, you know as we will detail in our halloween hangover episode There's a lot of stuff that's been going on, so that is fair. That is fair. Uh, But to get access to uh, all of our Patreon stuff, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Yeah, we've got a lot to to dig into Uh on that side. Well, we're basically about two episodes out of Halloween. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the time of the year. It is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And if anything, it is all about traditions. And one of the traditions, without a doubt, are the yearly, monthly rotations that mm-hmm. go on in the month of October. And it's, you got to get a good Halloween time movie in your October rotation. A nice sampler, if you will. Mm-hmm. And especially a movie that celebrates Halloween, that is firmly, you know, steeped in Halloween lore. And when we were putting together stuff, we were like, you know what? You know what? We haven't actually watched in a while. And when was the last time we watched The Guest? It's like, oh, The Guest is a great movie, and it's in my October rotation. Is it in your rotation? Yeah, because at some point in time, I got to see the dreamy-ass Dan Stevens kill a bunch of people. Secret slasher. Well, that's what's great with this movie is it, it checks a lot of boxes. And in fact, if any of you are like, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you guys have talked about this, and we did indeed. We did. All the way back, uh, August 25th, 2015, <laughs> episode 13, Genius. Episode 13. And, and we're in we, what, like 400 and some plus? Oh, we're 400, and this might be the 415th episode that's yeah. going out. So 400 plus episodes, a lot has happened. It's time to talk about the guest. Well, we even talked about sometimes revisiting old movies. Right. You know, because the baggage has changed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Our perspectives mm-hmm. have changed. You know, there's new things to talk about. There's new things to see. And then to see the up-and-comers back then, to see where oh, they're wow, at where now, they eight are now. years later, it's always a good one. Plus, you don't see people talk about this movie a lot. You know, you don't. I mean, even like when it comes up to Halloween movies or Halloween rotations or even horror movies. Because like you may be, sometimes you have to defend like, hey, this is a horror movie because it like a la uh, Terminator a la Aliens. This is one... Alien, I should say. This is one of those secret slasher movies. Mm-hmm. This is like 
almost and we were talking off mic a couple of about a week ago or so how like it's almost can be a superhero origin gone wrong story kind of like in, in the it's, vein of brightburn or overlord if you look at it just right it's a from hell movie you yeah the neighbor from hell this and that <laughs> but we also realized that the first time we delved into it we did it by ourselves right and, and the movie's called the guest so why should we not bring in a guest to speak on the guest and if we're going to bring in somebody let's bring our resident actioneer Ooh, there we go (laughs) (laughs) and you know our next guest as actually as the co-host of the media rewind podcast and he's practically a member of this show as it is please welcome back dustin fryer elocution is important genius (laughs) (laughs) i put the wrong fastest on the wrong syllable with like terrible results at least take two is better than take one (laughs) right you had me wondering (laughs) (laughs) well welcome back man hey thanks for making this meta having a guest on the guest right well we're kicking ourselves the last time i looked back i'm like wait we didn't have a guest on the guest but 13 episodes in no one was going to come on our show. I don't even think you would at that point. You're like, ah, no thanks, guys. Who are these guys? Come on in the basement and record. <laughs> We're going to make art. <laughs> you want to be our friend, don't you? <laughs> well, if anything, though, I'd like to think that between this and Nerds and Nostalgia, that at least inspired you to get Meteor Rewind started. Hey, man, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. I mean, oh, we're still talking about oh, my bad. No, absolutely. I, I think I've said that on multiple times when I've come on Nightmare Junkhead or even, you know, Nerds and Nostalgia. I mean, you guys are really the reason why I started. I mean, Genius and I were sitting around one day. We were just like, hey, oh, cool, you're doing a podcast. Right on. And then we started thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. I can do that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <excuse Jimmy Chiller. laughs> He's not no, wrong. I mean, He's we, not wrong. We used to just sit around and talk shit about say- movies and television shows and everything. And I'm just like, I, I mean, it's it's not like I didn't want to rehash stuff. But I was like, let's just talk about all the stupid stuff that normally, you know, we would talk about. But let's record. Right. That's the purpose of a podcast. Proto, and we were doing some proto podcasting earlier. Beforehand. We were talking about we we're just hanging in the veranda talking about movies. Like, oh shit, this is yeah, exactly. Podcasting. Well, and it's also funny because it's definitely the difference between almost about ten years of friendship with Genius and myself, and then thirty plus years of friendship <laughs> between you and Dustin in terms of the back and forth. He's got a lot more dirt on me. That's that's <laughs> all it is. Oh, I indeed do. He, he genius, knows, he knows a lot more of the do. dark shit. <laughs> well, just remember the statute of limitations hasn't expired on all of it right that's why i can't go to alabama no more <laughs> who wanted to go to alabama in the first place i know the de- the devil went down to georgia he immediately realized his mistake <laughs> well we are also talking off mic that we we're talking you know we're 400 plus episodes in you all are like 300 some odd, almost 400 at this point. Yeah, we're, we're closing in. I think we'll probably hit that with the new Walking Dead show. Yeah. The one that's dropping in 2024. Shameless plug. <laughs> well, again, that many episodes in, you now have your own, your own vernacular. Yeah. You have your in-jokes in the show. We have our own terrible, you know, automated air horn sounds. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But our own characters. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about the other day? <laughs> Nothing happens when they go outside. It looks outside. Said something about peasants. I think in a, in a like chat that. thread. Yeah. Like uh, how is the current Walking Dead? Uh, their their extension Season finale yeah. is this one. And they announced. They I, I was reading that article. They announced. Um, Carol is going to be a main character in season two. So, yeah, I think one of the things that they they did very well in like the spinoff episodes and, and seasons and whatnot is the fact that, you know, the, the characters that 
weren't necessarily in the in, in the the normal show are getting a little bit more light shown mm-hmm. to yeah. them. You know, it was always like the stuff and things of Rick Grimes. But then when he exited the show, spoiler alert, right? Based on you know what his character arc was when they added in like the other characters, they kind of gave him their own shows, and it's like you know Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I mean, dude. He can hold his own in a yeah. show along with Lauren Cohen and, you know, it's Melissa neat. McBride. And It's neat to see the evolution of the show because it used to be the Rick Grimes show. Then it became an ensemble cast. And when it became an ensemble cast, like he was saying, you lose some of those characters. Mm-hmm. So it is good to see some of these characters that we see have room to breathe and grow and expand, especially fan favorites like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and when Carol comes on and all that kind of Hell shit. yeah, JDM, baby. Well, yeah. What's even better, though, is it's really allowed you to kind of explore the world of horror yeah. in a great way. Yeah. And, I, I, that was one of the things I've noticed from watching The Walking Dead, because, I mean, it started in 2010, and I think our friendship started a little bit after that, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm wanting to say. So it was like, I I watched horror. I mean, everybody in the 80s that, that grew up with like the slashers and everything watched horror, but I wasn't really into horror. But then when you start seeing some of these character actors pop up in the show and you're like, hey, hey <laughs> I recognize that guy for that girl from that movie. Yep. <laughs> so now it's it's led to some interesting backtracking through some people's like filmographies and whatnot. So and it also, let's admit it has led to some awkward viewings as well. <laughs> I think right. Thirst might, might rank up there as an all-timer. That one was <laughs> gloriously just like, uh, um, how are we all doing now? Uh, Everyone okay in their own little section? Uh, <laughs> but also, you are our resident actioneer. I, 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 I hold that title in high esteem. I'm waiting for the, the merch and the t-shirt to be made. <laughs> You know, and, and I would like ten percent of the proceeds. Well, we'll have an auction on the actioneer stuff. Well, it's perfect <laughs> because no kidding, right. no sh- without well, the Freudian slip, right? <laughs> well, anytime we can kind of go action adjacent with our horror, we're obviously going to bring mm-hmm. you in on this one. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, if you go back again, listen to episode thirteen, realize I talk really quickly. Genius is already measured and mellow back then. But I don't know about mellow. <laughs> we've got you know quite a bit of a run with it. Uh, what was your background with the guest? Do you remember your first time interacting with it? It, it I know it was not in a the theater. Okay, you know just because it, I mean the guest doesn't as a title doesn't really give you much. The trailer makes it look like the hand that rocks the cradle. Right. Yeah, and I think way. I actually think Genius was the one that told me, or it might have been you actually that said, "Hey, you need to check out this film because." As our friendship kind of grew, you were mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you kind of like action movies. You know, th- this is more action than what it is horror. So why don't you give it a try? So I think it had to have been a screening that we all three were together I was, with. I was going to say, if you watched it in his basement for the first time, then we watched it at the first time at the same time. Because I remember I think the, first, it was. the first time I saw this movie was in your basement on your request. That makes sense. And so like, I was like, all right, cool. Right. I don't even know who Dan Stevens is. Who is the who Micah Monroe, you know? And Dan Stevens is dreamy, damn it. Get it right. He is the dreamy Dan Stevens. And so from then Hey, I'm comfortable enough in my sexuality to say he's a damn handsome he's man. He's fucking handsome. He is just and then he comes in like, Hi, I know your son. Come on in. He's right? almost like that like, like troubling level of handsome. Right. <laughs> almost distracting. <laughs> Distractingly handsome, but he's he's funny he's yeah like legit funny he's got great comic timing and he's got good action sensibilities and like from seeing that from moving on to him following him to legion 
And Legion is a dope oh, show. Oh, I thought you were going to say Downton Abbey. <laughs> Downtown Arby's. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, Legion, the X-Men show with Amber Midthunder, by the way. Mm. You should check it out if mm. you, and check out Prey. But everything he's in, like, again, if you haven't seen it, it's about Professor Xavier's son. And he's got, like, schizophrenia, but he's also got, like, super mutant power. So he can, like, change and alter everything. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting show. But it's just a wild movie that we're watching the guest and for seeing it the first time in your basement was just like this movie is fucking rad well the the thing i think i at least i picked up on i'm a, I'm a huge soundtrack and a huge score oh, guy shit. and i mean i re really remember liking the movie but i was like i was more taken aback by like the like the pop synth kind of mm -hmm. it, it, it was very much it was like drive i mean you yeah, know yeah. It, in terms of like the score and the soundtrack just a little bit more dour a little bit more dark you know, so I I enjoyed it because that's Steve Moore, right? It is Steve Moore, and so this movie would be my really first introduction to Steve Moore, my first proper introduction to Michael Monroe, my uh, not uh, Simon Barrett and Wingard because I've seen some other stuff, but at the same time, their action side, mm -hmm. and definitely um, just this whole like the introduction to this movie. And that was a wild experience. The journey it's taken for me as well was one that I saw the trailer back in the day. And because it gave me a, you know, hand. And don't get me wrong. I really like the hand that rocks the cradle. Yeah, like me Rebecca too. Rebecca De, De Mornay, her and Dan Stevens actually talk about, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, right? you know, subtle psychos. Come on in. And then next thing you know, your, your life is fucked. When Rebecca De Mornay gets all violent and drops that bomb on Ernie, on Re Ernie Hudson. Hudson. Oh, she drops a certain word. And you're like, wait a like, second. Damn, Rebecca. It's not. Yeah, it's. It's tough. It wasn't even PC back then. Oh, no. Oh, you know, no. and then you're like, fuck. Okay. But for some reason, still didn't watch it. And it wasn't until I heard word of mouth that like, oh, the guest, you actually would probably enjoy it. It's kind of an actioneer. It's horror a Halloween film. movie. What? Straight. Well, that's just it. Like you said, it's definitely a pseudo slasher, a mm -hmm. secret slasher. Uh, it's definitely a secret superheroes gone wrong movie. Uh, it is a from hell movie. First and foremost, it's a Halloween movie. It celebrates everything right? Halloween from that opening, opening shot. It opens up very uh, Halloween uh, four. four. Yes, yeah. In, in my notes, and it just establishes like, hey, this is the middle of the phone. I mean, the whole it uh, feels Halloween dance comes like a plot point in everything. Well, and it it if you, it looks and feels like the weather right now, the day we're recording, where it's brisk. Mm -hmm. It's it's autumnal. It's yeah. just that transition, that time where thankfully I can start layering up and feeling comfortable versus uh, I'm to the point I can't take anything off without getting put on a register. Right. I like being I like hoodie season. Yes, Me hoodie too. season is quite good. But now now I'm thinking, like, is Dan Stevens going to knock on my door? Because like then I'd be like, well, I mean, even okay. seeing the movie, you'd probably still let him in. Like, OK, you can make my life good. And but just don't kill everybody. Well, you that's the thing. He's like a monkey's paw, too. He's like, be careful what you wish for, because mm. you're going to get it in a bad way. He's he's trying to help as best as he can, well, the only way he can, and the only thing he can do is kill. That's violent, right? <laughs> and he's that's... like a good-natured Michael Myers. He's like, hey, I'm coming to help. Uh-oh, I've been discovered. Gotta go. Cut all loose ties. And so, and that's why I like those From Hell movies, because mm -hmm. they do try to insinuate themselves into the lives of the people, and then, of course... 
the bad stuff starts happening. Because he legit, even from the get go, he's like, I had nothing but the best intentions. Mm-hmm. I just moments, wanted to help. And let's, it's a, a long, you know, it's a, it's a movie that's been up for a while. But that very end when he's like, he's apologizing to her, I legit feels like he is, feels sorry yeah. for what he has to do. Yeah. Well, see what happens? Meddling kids. Meddling Didn't kids. Scooby-Doo exactly. teach us enough? Meddling kids. Michael Monroe was consistently lime-stepping. Exactly. Consistently. Because he even said, like, look, because he was on the up and up because, you know, I served with your brother. We were in the same program together. And again, spoilers, he was probably a fucked up super soldier, too. Like yep. the dad said, maybe he's got the PTSD. The PTSD. The, 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 the PTSD. Shout right? out to Leland, Leland Orser. That guy, <laughs> that yeah, guy. man, when he's not, uh, you know, off helping Liam Neeson save his daughter, and he legit, he, right? And shit, he's in Walk he's in, Amongst the Tombstones, yeah. Dan Stevens, amongst yeah. all the other things that he's done, amongst all the other tombstones. Shit, he's in Colossal. We did a main feed episode. That's right, he he's is the boyfriend he's the, at the beginning. Again, he's, he's in everything. Everything, <laughs> but then it's because he goes and he goes, "Hey, you're being tra- you're being harassed by bullies." All right, I'm going to fuck him up. Hey, you need a new uh, position at the job? You got fucked over at job? All right, I'm going to go fuck him up. You know, you're missing your son. Your, I'm gonna, your, your emotions are all messed up. All right, I'm going to go fuck him up. He's like legit trying to help. Your boyfriend's a dick. I'm going to go fuck him up, you know? But he just goes, he goes about it the terrible way, but in a good way, too, because you start really rooting for him because the comeuppance he gives the bully is proper comeuppance. You're like, oh. All right, fuck them up. You that, know? <laughs> the entire bar sequence. Great, great. From from first and foremost, being in a small enough town that they will serve high school students. Well, dude, but, I was waiting to see Billy Bob from Varsity Blues over in the corner. Well, I mean, seriously, first of all, it's a small enough town. Second of all, they're drinking at the outhouse because they had to go through that cornfield. Yeah. Did yeah. it look like it's the like, outhouse? It's like now turning on East 1900 Road. For those of you who don't know what the outhouse is, you might there's 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 two eras of the outhouse. Yeah, yeah. You would either know it as the very influential progressive punk rock band saw or the, punk rock venue. Saw the Boston's there, right? That just would have these cool like up and comers, or and then it all changed. Or under new management, <laughs> where the floors are just as sticky and probably worse, right? Then it turns into a BYOB full contact uh, strip club on the middle of Cornfield, where mm-hmm. it's like. Literally, the first time I went there, I was like, is this from dusk till dawn? Right? <laughs> the first time we went, I thought I was going to get abducted. Right? I was going to wake up. I was like, like for waiting for some like M. Night Shyamalan like, spin to happen at the end of the night. I got I got a, my pork roast size uh, wad of ones is gone along with my kidney and my liver. <laughs> and I'm and in you're on a, corn... a bathtub of ice. You're just laying no, in a cornfield. I'm not even a cornfield. <laughs> I'm not even a bathtub of ice. I'm strung up like a scarecrow, like the fucking beginning of Smallville. Genius creepers. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's just it. It was unsettling whether you were going back in the day for a show because it felt, it felt dangerous. Very it felt speakeasy. God's I, blind no. spot. I just want to know, like, at what point? At what point did the outhouse change venue? And like, you probably had some like eighteen-year-old kids getting ready to go. I don't know. Go see like Lynn. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden they like walk in. It's like and girls, then, girls, yeah. girls. Yeah. girls. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. You know, they'll probably be like. Bad, well, know? yeah, that's when in Rome. I mean, seriously. But I'm just saying, they, they went for one type of show and, and they, they got another, another type of show. I can't imagine the crossover. That Those first couple of months probably been rough, but like mm-hmm. probably a happy accident because it's been a filthy dive strip club. Greg, no, the Boss Tones aren't playing here this month. 
<laughs> but I want to go and pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Not off that floor. Not off, Not that, off that floor. floor. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, ghosts of mosh pits past. So eight years since we looked at like Dan Stevens' work, and again, even the Apostle. Did you mm-hmm. enjoy that one, Dustin? Yeah, I really did. Yeah. Uh, he actually did. You ever see the rental? Yes, with uh, um, uh, Bree and all them, yeah. all the youngsters in the B and B. Yeah, with the creeper B and B. I think I have. It's not bad. It's not bad. Again, he's he's well represented in genre, but then also knowing one Dustin Pryor, I do know you are a fan of Micah Monroe. Yes. What did you think? Buck flowers of Independence Day resurgence because I know you probably saw it. I did not. <gasps> No. Wait a second. Okay, so yes. when when we went to I'm go shocked. S- okay, so I don't. Th- this isn't really going to get us in trouble. But a member of our party, <laughs> when we were going to go see Independence Day, remember they they had like the big like kiosks and everything. Well, one member of our party didn't necessarily like kiosks, so he did a little damage to one of them. So it was like it's almost like I almost had the PTSD. When thinking about Independence Day, because it was like, I heard so many things about it, and I'm just like, ID4 was everywhere. Yes. Like, I mean, it was like chocolates, um, <sighs> Nestle had a big run with them, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm just like, how can they outdo that? And then I, I made the mistake of going online and yeah, seeing some yeah. of the reviews and hearing some of the rumblings, and I'm like... I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it because I had such a good experience with ID4. I mean, mm-hmm. that movie's that movie's a jam. But I mean, but you are just someone like you 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 seek out action films. You you watch action films. Oh yeah, I, I watch everything off the action diet. I, I've literally seen every one of Scott Atkins' films, and I I but have no regrets. It's a far cry though from Scott Atkins to ID4. That's true. That is very true. How come Dan Stevens doesn't do as much uh, action? Cause he... Oh, I thought you were about to say, why doesn't Dan Stevens dance anymore? <laughs> Pure Dan. And how come he doesn't remember, you know what? The, I'm remember sure... the Dan Tootsie? Uh, uh, uh. He starts punching random people. Right? No, but seriously, like he's got the acting chops to mm-hmm. do it. You know, I, th- I think it's just with him. I mean, he's got so he's probably got so many offers because of you know how yeah. charismatic is he he is, how handsome he is. He's still like in that demographic to where you know he can play leading man, he can play kind of like right. the boyfriend kind of deal. I know we were talking about uh, uh, Micah Monroe, but like I was just thinking like, oh no, no, you're but right. anyway, Micah I... Mon- back to Micah Monroe. Yeah, no, I like the fact that she's like all about being a horror. Well, and I watched her in Watcher. Mm-hmm. Which Sunny is a good? really good flick, yeah. That was one of my favorites from last year, but one that I God, I remember watching the trailer uh, for God is a Bullet for the first time. What'd you think? I loved it. Did you enjoy that? that? I, that a good I one? love that movie, and I don't know why, because that movie is really, really dark. Mm-hmm. Like it's got some, it's got some parts that are just like hard to watch because of like the the violent nature of it. But I was just like, I was flipping through one time, and I'm like, okay, let's see what's on Amazon. Because, honestly, a new achievement unlocked. I have to be, you know, forthcoming with everyone. Uh, middle-aged has suited me well, and I have finished all of the World War II documentaries on Amazon Prime until they reloaded about 25 more. So, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm trying to hit that peak middle-aged guy. Next thing you know, they're going to have it. And now on Amazon Prime, our exclusive with the A&E Network. And like, oh, man! But... But no, I, I remember I remember hearing something about God as a Bullet because I think I saw the preview at Screenland. Is that the one with Kingslayer? Yes. Yes. Jamie Lannister. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just remember like thinking, I was like, okay, this is kind of a cool premise. And then you see Jamie Foxx pop up and I'm like, oh, 
all right, right. cool. Yeah, I, I like Jamie Foxx. I, I didn't recognize, though, that it was Micah Monroe. Oh, no, I didn't either until about halfway through the movie. She's, she's doing like a that, punk, right? Yeah, and she's doing that, like, no eyebrows. I yeah. Can do, she can, she's like, I she can, can do, do punk. <laughs> but I, that is on my list because from when I saw that trailer, and I had never heard of it, and then, like you said, you see all those people involved, and it looks yeah, it looks dark. Yeah, it, it looks like it goes weird, crazy places. It, it goes, it goes really like it, I wouldn't say like super, super dark, but I mean it's <laughs> it's definitely not a Pixar film. No, of course. you know, so <laughs> if you're going for a holiday romp or a family friendly film, it's not necessarily the one you want to go to. Well, you know what was kind of family friendly in a lot of ways was uh, Adam Wingard's Godzilla versus King Kong, which is one. We talked about on Patreon. In fact, if I do recall, I believe you guessed it on that particular episode Probably. as well. Dun, 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 dun. But this was also one of the times where he wasn't collaborating with Simon Barrett. And to me, they are one of those duos that I've always enjoyed the kind of like the collaborative energy that they have. And again, eight years in now at this point, uh, they did collaborate on Blair Witch. Uh-huh. Which is an I've seen that for me. Yeah. Did you ever seek that one out? No, because I'm not the biggest Blair Witch Found footage. Fan. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it's cool, but like and I'm getting I'm warming up to the found footage more and more. Yeah. But like I was like, eh, okay, well, cool. It's one of those like not saying like I'm kind of like you with these found footage and like some of these supernatural stuff when it comes to slashers. It's like, do we need yeah. more stories of the Blair Witch? You know, Wait. more found footage of the same scary thing in the woods. But I heard this one had more monsters in it. But I've also heard apparently the reason to actually probably buy like the the disc itself is the commentary track between the two of them is apparently very epic. Yeah. So if anything. That would be interesting to reach See, out on. Because I'm down with Simon Barrett, and I'm down with Adam Wingard, well, so I might give it a shot. Do you remember, just in terms of things that have changed since we talked about it You know, on episode 13, uh, we were lucky enough, we did a screening of Face Off with Simon Barrett there, <laughs> yeah. and we were lucky enough, we, we talked with him afterwards, and somewhere out there, there is that conversation. I am down for them to do another movie like that i am too and, and no no, no offense it. to simon barrett i mean the the guy was delightful to be in, in you know kind of talking to everybody in the audience and answering the q a and whatnot dude i was just more excited to see face off on the big screen again but i think that they could do it i like but let's talk a little bit going back more about the cast uh because we skipped over let's talk about lance reddick Oh, oh, I thought you were going to talk about Joel, <laughs> Joel no, David No, I'm going to talk about Joel David Moore in a little bit because I love beep, Joel beep, David beep. Moore. I love... <laughs> let's, yeah, let's talk about Joel David Moore first because I, I genuinely am a fan of his. I am too. I think he's funny when he, he's extremely funny, but he can be very serious. There's this movie that he made called uh, Spiral with um, Adam Green, and it's a psychological horror movie. Oh, I don't know why I was thinking of... The, the Chris Wanna play game. Yeah, I don't the know. Why. I was like, one? he was in with that movie with Chris Rock. What? No, no, no. <laughs> it's a different, a different spiral. It's Adam Green psychological horror, oh. and it's actually <laughs> oh, pretty. Yeah. It's pretty good, but you don't expect to see that uh, side of Joel David Moore. But when he plays villainous, when he plays comedic, when he plays, well, he's, he's a, comedic. He's, he's comedic and serious on Bones. Yeah. He is, oh. and he's and he's also he's from the villain in Grandma's Boy. Sit on my face, that guy. But he's also <laughs> JP. like JP, right? And let me just say this: I 
almost every movie you all have introduced me to, I have enjoyed. I've enjoyed. I have adored. You guys were except Grandma's Boy begging me to watch Grandma's Boy. That was the one that that broke the streak. Didn't hit really as much as for me. And you all are laughing. And you're come quoting. on, Greg. We call it the Brown Bomber. <laughs> I feel so bad because I'm like, oh, it's not hitting for me. You this get is, it. I know what else he doesn't get the, the Colonel. <laughs> Sucks to be you, nerd. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but Joel David Moore. Joel David Moore's the shit. He's the, wonderful. He, He's when he wonderful. played Hitler in the Diary of Van Frankenstein and Chillerama, that's fucking hilarious. Great. Hilarious. And then of course Hatchet. What now was... Lance Reddick. Oh god. Oh. It's it's always unfortunate when we like something's a memorial screening, but he's always when he shows up, you're like, hey, it's Lance Reddick, and then you're like, oh, it's Lance Reddick, because you're like. It's one of those kind of Brittany Murphy's. Mm-hmm. What more could he? Well, yeah, what could have been? Know, what more things he could have been? Because he's great in everything he's in. Well, I think okay. So coming back to action, sure. I mean, think about what they did with his character Sharon in John Wick. Mm-hmm. Like the first movie, he's he's the concierge. She what just could have been a simple thrown away. Yeah, exactly. It, it could have been yeah. any person, but it was Lance Reddick. So they literally wrote larger parts for him in all the subsequent movies, and all the subsequent movies are better because, because that part got larger. You know, so it's like, and and he was a nerd. Like uh, up until up until the day he passed, like the the previous day, he was posting on Instagram about how he was playing a video game. You know, he loved his dogs. So it's like, Jesus, man! Like, Not only was he a good actor, yeah, he was a, but good, a good person. Dude. It's like yeah. take a shit bag. Don't take this guy from us. Right. Come on now. Right. If anything, though, we. We're, we're lucky because we do have these films, mm-hmm. uh, TV series that he was part of that we can appreciate him. And like you said, the worst part, though, is just all the stuff we didn't get to Could've see. Could have been. Could have yeah. been. So it's always a bummer. And like I said, it's always a bittersweet to see Lance Reddick mm-hmm. in a movie, especially again. Well, he killed it in this role. And, and uh, Listen, and I love him. But the way, and listen, I am not a practitioner of gun kata or gun nor do I, you know, wield a lot of firearms, but. The way he's doing all of his fire, is it just uh, him doing his thing, or is that how you hold them? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know, I, but he was formidable in John Wick uh, Parabellum. Well, yeah. I mean, well, those guys all go through, like, massive firearms training. And this is, yeah, this is 2014, training. so this is 10 years ago at this point. So right. he had to do any of that. So when did... Well, John Wick was 2015, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, maybe this right maybe this was just like, hey, we need a we need a guy that's good. We're going to write a larger part for, and we saw this guy in this like small this indie small like idea. this small indie horror film. Cool. Hey, there, there you go. go. He's got a look. Well, and then because like, but he was the and Lance Reddick. Yeah. So he was already established character. I actor think. In and this was it one. in was it in The Wire? Where he really oh, cut his teeth. Okay, yeah. so I I know that you guys probably have not seen The Wire. I, I'm a I'm a big like detective kind of like crime show guy. If none of your listeners have seen The Wire, go back and watch it. It's one of the most phenomenal things ever placed to to you know film or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it television. Transcend. The second season of The Wire gets a little bit not necessarily slow. Is that but the school based one? No, the the second season of The Wire is more of the procedural piece of okay, it. Okay. But like the, all the other seasons, I mean, so if you're down with like Law and Order SVU, like the the behind the scenes, not the like chasing the perp right. down by foot, you'll still be able to enjoy it. But dude, The Wire is literally one of the best television shows ever made. And I mean, like I put it up there with Band of Brothers. Yeah. And I know you love Band of ca- Brothers. Call back to World War II things, right? <laughs> no, it's I've everyone 
speaks of its praises and they oh, yeah. always talk about his performance well they talk about everyone's performance in it oh yeah and just how it elevates and, and the he show. and dominic west had a really good rapport between the two of them yeah. so and i mean and i i never really liked dominic west honestly because he was always the sleazy guy that turned his back <laughs> on leonidas in the 300 <laughs> damn you dominic west that's right can carry a grudge can carry a grudge and then also one of the other character actors in this movie was the drug dealer slash schooner salesman of ethan embry yeah, and you want to talk about a dude that uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that was the dude from Can't Hardly yeah. Wait. See, because the when I saw him pop up in the guest, I was like, hold the F up. Ethan Embry, that was when he was getting yoked to be in Devil's Can. That was. Yeah, yeah but that see, was. Here, the thing about it is, <laughs> for the longest time I got, because I never, I didn't oh, see yeah, Can't yeah. Hardly Wait until maybe about quarantine time. That's so bad. That's right, right. That's right. I forgot about and that. And I it was fucking a- love that movie now. I Can't Hardly Wait's the shit. But anyway. So I, I would always get Ethan Embry mixed up with Ethan Suplee, <laughs> the big dude. And so when they were talking about like when he was coming out talking about like, man, Ethan Embry, he went from that skinny dude and can't hardly wait to the yoked up dude. And so I'm like, okay, thinking Ethan Suplee. He's well, you over see there. him now. He is yoked up, dude. He, oh yeah. Ethan Suplee's the fucking mountain now. But before he was the mountain, right? He was the boulder, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was thinking, like, when I saw Ethan Embry in Devil's Candy, I'm like, God damn, he's a totally different person. And then I was like, oh, he is a different person. The transfer body transformation between those character actors is kind of incredible. Right? But no, it's funny. It's, oh, uh, every time I see and Ethan Embry, oh. it gives me a giggle. Okay, so that, that I, I was validated. I'm like, Ethan mm. Suplee, I'm like, he was in the butterfly effect. Yeah, he was. And he's I was like, dude. oh, yeah, that was him. He's, yeah, but he's, he's definitely a lot different physically than what he was. Right? Yeah, it's, I think, the vegan diet, big biker, if I remember, like a bicycler. Yeah. Yeah, just total uh, transformative whole thing there. Simon Barrett, actually, uh, since... You know, writing and direct, or writing this film, directed a little film called Seance. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough I caught that at Screenland. Is that good? It's really good, actually. And I'm going to actually include uh, the talk. I did a Q&A with him afterwards. Oh, nice. He, and he's he remembered talking about Face Off with us, actually. I mean, who doesn't remember talking about Face Off? Come on now. Well, that was already in. I don't, do you remember when they talked about Face Off, too? Uh-huh. And like, they were the one on yeah, it was like, wait. See, I want to see these other movies that he's uh, did. I did see Frankenfish that he wrote. He also wrote Dead Birds. Dead Birds is the shit. Yeah. Dude, Dead Birds yeah. is rad. But I also have heard good things about Frankenfish. Like I like Frankenfish, okay. and I actually have it. And then Red Sands. I heard A Horrible Way to Die is a good one, too. He has a good like well repertoire, and the, I was telling Dustin about the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. As much not as like a found footage and Blair Witch fan I am. Because it's Barrett and Wingard, I'm gonna have to give it a try. That's just it. It's based on the their their reputation. Yeah, they carry they carry weight at yeah, this point, do. especially with genre fans. And that's when we go back to this and kind of from like your next into this as kind of the mech, the next major stepping know, stone. Stepping stone, yeah, into into their work. This one is just it's nice to go back to. And I like this movie. It's a cool unique presence. I mean, premise. Well, it, you don't you don't it's not something you don't see every day cuz we cap- see ghouls and goblins and monsters and shit. Yeah. Uh, uh uh ghouls. Ghouls. <laughs> but <laughs> well, it's like you said though. It's it's taking the elements of the the, the pseudo and secret slasher, mixing it in with the superheroes gone wrong or superheroes gone bad. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the Cronenberging all of these things into this fun 
canon-esque movie. movie. You know what? So I listened to the commentary track they did for the guest. They pushed to have the canon logo at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, that would have been epic. It felt like that's canon, what they were going for. Like that's what they were going but for. But they would have had to trim 10 minutes because it had to be 90 minutes in order to be canon. That's <laughs> true. That's true. So where do we cut that 10 minutes? <laughs> there's, no, there's no real there's, fact to yeah, cut. No, there, there, there really, really isn't. isn't. It moves It moves quick. It's, it's mean when it needs to be mean. It's funny when it needs to be funny. And then you're like, feel bad because you're like, oh, man. He's having to turn on this family that did that he did nothing but good for and like nothing but well, cared for him. Now he's got to kill them all. Well, and plus he got to get some sticky from the uh, Michael Monroe's best friend. Well, even that sequence is another one of those that is memorable. And the violence in this film. It's, it's surprising. It's violence. surprising. But yeah, the violence is surprising and it's quick and it's never really overdone. Like, this isn't a very gratuitous film, Mm-mm. which the, is kind of shocking. Oh, I thought you were talking about overdone as in, like, you know, over the top. Because, like, oh. when he rolls the grenades in the diner, I was just waiting for him to absolutely do, like, the old British curtsy. Because oh. <laughs> he kind of does the little, like, the... <sighs> he is from downtown Arby's. <laughs> but he adds that kind of a level where you wouldn't be shocked Yeah, if he exactly. Did that. Yeah. You're like, but, well, of course he did. Right? But it's kind of funny because, like, he's always, like... Not one-upping everybody, but, like, shutting everybody down and shutting everybody up in his own, like, dreamy way, for example. When, like, <laughs> when Mike and Rose like, I don't trust him and I don't like him and I don't know what's going on. And the next thing you know, he comes out of the shower and she's like, oh, okay. I guess he can stay a little bit. Yeah, the, the hallway in that house turned into a slip and slide. Ha! And then... <laughs> Because Dan Steven gets out of the shower and it's you're, wet on the floor. You, and so. <laughs> you're not wrong on many levels. <laughs> and then the second. Well, then there's the moment in the party. At the party when yeah. he comes Kegs. in like, who's this? And like, oh, it's, just, it's my friend Dan, uh, Dan Stevens. Uh, you can come on in, right? And then she's sliding away into the. Hey, all I got to say is, dude, you know, to, to quote one of the previous Patreon episodes you guys had, that was a Herculean strength. Right? Because he comes in straighting two full kegs. He's got on his shoulder. And, like, it's nothing. Where should I put these things down? And I'm like, God damn, you're strong. And like, and then, and then here comes the boyfriend. And pip, pip, pip. And <laughs> everything he did was funny. And it, it's just quick, surprising violence. But that that's. I think they were going for that in a way like you couldn't necessarily make it too over the top because it would take away some of the subtlety that's going on there. And then even when he was one upping people without like saying a word or violence, for example, when the the, the son got uh, finally got his come up and, man, and beat shot, the shit out of that, that dude with a, with a ruler mm. yeah. and, it, and it breaks. Ooh. But it was funny because he's like he's like this weird evil Mary Poppins. Because he needs, yeah. Because like, he's over there, like some people say, and just calming away that if somebody hits you, just turn the other cheek. But you shouldn't. Instead, you should take a you should take a brick and smash their face, and and then go to their house and burn it to the ground with their family inside. And I'm like, God damn! And, and at that boom, point, boom, boom, boom. Right, he's like looking at him, like. Is he serious? And he is dead on serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is dead on serious. Well, That's what you do with bullies. I hate bullies. And I'm like, God damn. It's, there's not a lot of tongue in cheek. There's, no. there's the sincerity of the film that because I think actually sells a lot of that broke stuff. That fo- he broke the football player's legs intentionally and like their that knees very noted, intentionally. Yes. Just like, all right, very cool. noted. I'm not going to kill them because they're minors, but I'm going to fuck their life up. And I'm like, God damn, Dan Stevens. Well, you've got multiple shots of him basically like 
I don't think he's powering down or whether he's leveling up, but just by himself in the bedrooms and just staring, just staring vacantly. Like he doesn't sleep. No, like, no, like he's just no. a constant machine. Like he's Terminator esque. Like the only thing missing out of this slasher or anything like that would be a reveal. Like if he would, I wouldn't be surprised if he took his face off and it was an exoskeleton underneath, <laughs> yeah. like, like the know? Westworld reveal, something like that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Some, or like 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 when he does like shows Miles Dyson, right? But then even when he's like besting the principal after he uh, the kid bests the bully, mm-hmm. he's like, so this was a oh, hate crime. I will talk to my lawyers, and they're like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Stop the execution!" And so, uh, now it was, it was. Well, I was like, "Well done, Dan Stevens," and then you have to go fuck it all up by switching sides in the middle of a fight. That was the surprising part. What spoilers? That was <laughs> the surprising part. We're like, "Oh, Dan Stevens, everything's gonna go come up Miller. He's gonna protect the family. So far, everything's great." Mm-hmm. Shank, shank, shank. Like, oh, oh, when that when that moment happens, the and kitchen from, scene from the first time I saw it to when we get to like introduce people to it, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because you talk about people that aren't supposed to die, and again those relationships that have already been formed and established, it's like oh snap. But then you realize though it's it's part of the programming. Again, this rogue oh, no superhero serum gone wrong basically again what do you say it's not captain america it's u.s agent oh yeah it's it's definitely u.s agent absolutely u.s agent but it also up it... <laughs> tell poor me, wyatt russell tell me why russell didn't look like the guy from up with that captain the u.s agent helmet on he looked exactly like it he's he's got a great chin it's great for the camera but, but it just didn't work in that like mask up. yeah he looked like the old man from up <laughs> But I do love the fact that they really lean into it and, like, what would happen Mm -hmm. if the Captain America serum goes wrong and you've got these guys that are just breaking out and trying to take their face. He's doing trying to do a face off off. or at least face reconstructive surgery. Because really, if nobody fucked with him, I mean, if if nobody... Well, Dug part of the protocol yeah. into him and found out who he really was. Some I mean, damn meddling kids, man. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing about it is he never lied about who he was. He was just saying, hey, this is what I am. This is what I did. This is who, where I am. Belong. Blah, blah, blah. This is where I belong. Yeah. You know, my name is Dan Stevens. And they're like, okay, it is. But then again, like you said, meddling kids, they had to go and dive deeper. Now, I understand you want to like find out who's living with you. But if the proof is right there, you already see the picture of them serving together. Mm-hmm. Right? He already has the dog tags, all doctored. the proof, everything, yep. you know, and everything looks up and up. I don't know. I'm not saying I would leave things alone, but let me like, hey, everything's coming up Millhouse. Well, here's a question I've got for you guys, and maybe I missed this in the movie. So the team that's dispatched to go take care of him, mm-hmm. right, to, to go get David, why are they not super soldiers too? It's like because, dude, he it, it, it goes through them like, oh, dude, it's a, because the super soldier hasn't worked yet. Because yeah, I think they it, were shutting this, the program I down. Think, cause I think because it hasn't worked. And yeah. so that's why they're like, okay, they're not going to make more fucked up test subjects. Okay, so you take like seven dudes and like two Suburbans? It's like, no, level the house. Yeah, Mer- Mercs need money too, man. Come I know, on. man. But oh, that's another thing that I liked about this, the ambiguity of everything. Sure. You know, nothing is really explained. True. We don't know if the government agency that's trying to kill Dan Stevens is good or bad. We just Hammer Industries. Right. It could be Hammer. It could be Shield. It could be Hydra. We really don't know whose experiment this is. We know it's the U.S. government, but it's not like their hands are clean. Well, and what I also love with it is it is a standalone story. Mm Yeah. Does not need a sequel. 
granted. They gave us a soundtrack to a sequel that never existed. But, and they left it open for a teaser, but, you but his could, story, but David's story is done. done. It's done. Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't want you to see the guests. But I loved, I loved how it ended. What the fuck? Oh, the guest. <laughs> the first time I watched that, it was in my basement by myself. Lola was with me. It was that long ago. And I think maybe even Kitty at that point, I applauded. I yeah. started applauding because I was like, that that hit such a perfect note mm-hmm. on the journey that was taken. Yeah. And the Halloween aspect, and especially... The Halloween 3 shout the out? Halloween yeah. 3... Even that, I caught that. I was like, right. wow, cool. Which definitely means you've been hanging out with us way too long into that kind of a world. But it's those little moments, and especially the high-end haunted house at this high school. Jesus Christ. Okay, how much dude, money, I want to go back to school just else. so I can go to the dance. There must be nothing else to do in that town. Well, dude, they, they went money. to a bar in a cornfield. In a cornfield. In a corn. That's true. But they must spend all of their money... All of the school budget, like they're reading books from the fifties, because they spent all of their money on making this elaborate they're, 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 ass. They're still house. doing nuclear drills where they're covering their right? head with the with books the book? under the desk. With the book, <laughs> like a tornado drill is going to do anything against a a bomb, right? So, anyway, so hey, man, it gives you that false sense of hope, right? Hope. That's about it. Put your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye <laughs> <laughs> under the desk. So and so, no, no, so they're. They got animatronics, they got fog machines, they got a fucking live DJ spinning the ones and the twos. They got everything going on there, man. This looks like the beast. This looks like the edge of hell. And it's a high school bit. It's got to be either one, a community center, or two, the gymnasium in the high school. But either way, it's going to be huge. Definitely the gymnasium. Yeah. Because it's a full on fucking maze. Maybe There's they do a, like it, they do in a lot of rural areas. Maybe they partnered with someone. Maybe it's the gymnasium from the local YMCA. Maybe, maybe the community center. Hey, we're gonna turn the first floor into a wall, a maze of mirrors. Okay, you know. So like, that's what it is. I was waiting for Mister Han to come out and start fucking people up with Dan Stevens. Michael Monroe's over there. You have our gratitude. Let's, Let's all give, give him, him a big hand. hand. <laughs> Dan Stevens, snap. <laughs> Well, we even get in the haunted high school maze and everything. <laughs> they go in, they open the door, and it's a synthesized version of... <laughs> well, I was about to say, he throws in the mixtape, yeah, the mix does. CD that she made. Yeah, of, he does. Which, mix CD, mixtape, how many did we make back in the day? Back in the day? I made one like two days ago. <laughs> Thanks. See, I'm, I'm Thanks, one of the dude. no man. I'm one of those old school guys. Like my truck's a little bit older, not like old old, but dude, I don't have the the MP3s hookups and the auxiliaries and everything else. Oh, so, please tell me if somebody if somebody throws something in the back, you're like, hey, doom cough, watch out for the CD changer in the back. Out of control. I was just, I, I, Greg's I, just going with it. No, no. <laughs> well, I just think most of the generation now, it's like just playlists that they mm-hmm, put together yeah. on whatever it is. But that, like, the actual phys- physical action of making. Because you, yeah, yeah. you were limited. Yeah, man. You were limited on a playlist. On a playlist, you can throw, here's 150 songs to think about birds. Yeah. You know, but like, fucking. In, in a playlist, you have like, okay, I got 90 minutes to tell a story. Tell yeah, a story. you had like like 12 to 14 songs, depending on length, and you had to put some effort into it because it's like, man, if you choose the wrong song, or you get the wrong song, oh, man, the wrong version of the make song. or break the relationship. 
all the pressure we put on ourselves back <laughs> in the day. No wonder we are the way we are today. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that's what I love with this particular film, though, is not only does it have the Steve Moore score, but the soundtrack also is just so ethereal, synth-heavy. And they've put out two, there's three boutique vinyls that you can get. You can get the OG score, which I do have. You can get actually the soundtrack. The soundtrack, yep. That came, and I don't remember if that was a record store record store day release or what, but I picked that one up. But then they also, and again, Steve Moore made a score for a guest sequel that doesn't exist, right? Based yeah. on everyone's love of what he did. With and that after we one. after mm-hmm. we watched this uh, this last screen, what'd you what'd you buy? I bought both of them, <laughs> and and a huge shout out to to fan oh. fan of the show Nick Spacek. Yeah, he turned me on to Discogs. Oh, gee. That's, so that's a dangerous place. Yeah, it's a very dangerous place. A, you want you want to talk about the dark web? You know, getting me involved with some like <laughs> movie scores. But no, that's where I ended up finding it. I, I found a pretty good deal on one. I mean, it wasn't definitely it wasn't retail, but sure. it wasn't like I have to. You know, I'm, I'm not lying with genius in the cornfield with my kidney gone. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Motley Crue plays on vinyl in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. I mean, they recognized, you know, what they had with everything. And Mm -hmm. eight years since, they're like, yeah, let's keep, you know, putting it out there. Again, having having that, having access to that, it goes a lot. So did you pick up the vinyl then? Yeah, I picked up both of them. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I mean, because anybody can buy the MP3 format. Come on, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not just sounding like, it sounds better on vinyl, but I mean, I like like physical media. I like being tactile with the things that I own. Between... We live in a glorious age between the shit we get on Blu-ray, the stuff we can get on vinyl. And yeah. just, again, it's the physical stuff. We are very, very lucky. We are very, very lucky. I like that this is a lot of practical action. Oh, oh yeah. It's, you know, like the vehicular manslaughter scene the, the, oh. at the very end. Oh, God. That was That's brutal. Oh, but now Brian Mills is going to be after David. Uh-oh. Because he Brian killed a member of his team from oh, Taken. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have a particular set of skills, actually, Ben Stevens. When you take out the parents the way he does, I mean, it is shocking both oh, times. Oh, it's brutal, man, it because he was I'm going to have a beer. Friends. You want to have a beer? Fine. Good. I, it's settled. I legit love the interaction he had with them. And then the fact that he, he does take him, the guy out at work so he can get the the raise mm-hmm. and the promotion. It's monkey's paw. Oh, my That's Lord. That's the thing. David is 100% careful what you wish for because you're going to get it. You don't want to get it that way. Mm-hmm. Have and you... Then, uh, I brought the beans. Homer Cleese cares not for beans. <laughs> and then uh, you said the music, but when he blows up the diner to shy. Oh no, Stevie B. Stevie, Stevie B. B. Yeah. And there's that's <laughs> that is memorable. A that I haven't yeah. heard in a long time. And I'm in that dude. That was the I'm pure. Like, that was like the 3 a.m. pure moods, like uh, infomercial that used to come on after like all of the other television shows would end. It was right right after what uh, Inya. Yeah. The pure. return to innocence. Hanya. Hanya. <laughs> Hit the pretend. Pure innocence and pure ecstasy for 1995. Oh. Hi, uh, hi, I, I think no we broke way, Greg. No way. <laughs> and then finally, and then other music by Sail Away, Sail Away, Sail Away. And then finally, at the very end, they had tubular bells, the exorcist. And I'm like, you ruined my calm. Like, how am I going to call? I just finished chilling out, relaxing with Enya and like fucking the Gregorian monks chanting and shit. And now you're playing Mike Odenfeld's tubular bells. Pazuzu's yeah. going to come out of this goddamn <laughs> sessions. 
fucking sailing, <laughs> sailing to hell, right? And that's not all right with me. That is not a good AM Gould. You can't have the sounds of innocence and the fucking Enya and like fucking sadness part one and then tubular fucking bells. I felt like you just went back in time with that. My God, that is such a singular, specific thing right there. And then go. I would love to hear some Yeah. I'm a simple man. I like my beer cold and my rock and roll southern fried. I actually do. I don't know. You actually do. I actually like southern rock. Oh, shit. Freedom rock? Is that freedom rock, man? Freedom rock. man. Yeah. Between Time Life, AM Gold, just all those things chronicling <laughs> all the cool shit. We had yeah. a great, we had a great youth. We had a good B. run there. We had, it's DVB. Yes, DVB. No, I was like kind of bummed when he blew up the diner because I'm like, first of all, at least finish the song. That's your squirrel, right? Second of all, you're, Jesus Christ. Those old people didn't do nothing. They're, he just blew up the lubbies. I know, dude. Esther and Esther and George are just trying to get some hash browns smothered and covered, but right? not with their blood. That's why we don't have any more first cafeterias. They're fucking all blown up by Dan Stevens. He's like, this is the new home of downtown Arby's. <laughs> and then, God save the queen. <laughs> I do like to live in a world where somehow Dan Stevens is responsible for, for the, the fury of Furs cafeteria. I'm, I think they missed something, though, man. They, they missed the golden opportunity to like, for, like, do some cross promotion with like the guest, like Adam Wingard sitting at like a diner table, and like all of a sudden, like Dan Stevens Dan is doing coffee. Waffle House like commercials. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks in and like throws toast at people. I hop. We blow up the competition. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of that. Tired of fighting at Waffle Houses, and they just show Dan Stevens punching people. Throwing people through the grill. <laughs> blowing it up. The food window. Crazy Dan's Food Emporium. We're blowing up prices. <laughs> How much did you pay for steak and eggs? Twenty five ninety nine. No! How's your food, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking falling down again. God help if we only could have given him a budget. If only a budget for that kind of shit. My God. <laughs> Poor Dan Stevens. It writes Poor itself. Dan Stevens. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for that dreamy dude. And he's no. over there he's having a ball. He's he's living the good life. He's Same thing with Michael Monroe. I love the fact that she's continuously working. And mm-hmm. like everybody here, yeah. everybody in this movie is showing off their skills further. Like this is not one of those one and done movies where nobody else does anything after it. This is the one where oh, Simon Barr is continually working. I think Wimgar is just going to get better. Dan Stevens is just getting better. Michael Rose is becoming better. Their stars are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But they're not big enough yet. And so that's the thing, you know? Yep. No, it's so, agreed. It's agreed. I think this is one of those underseen, underappreciated movies where people don't think of this as one a Halloween movie, and they definitely don't think it's a horror movie, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely both. It's both. So, Greg, in the, in the commentary, did they talk about, like, alternate castings? For like who they who they were looking at or who came in for the casting calls, I'd have to go back to it. I just distinctly remember the canon bits, and they they did this was what they wanted to make, you know, based on the limitations, budget. This is what they actually were able to. They were happy to get what what they had. Yeah, those are always some of the most fun for me is like seeing who what could have been. Oh, could have like, been the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like Ryan Gosling, of course, is you know very stand inish for you know Dan Stevens. They're, that they're that would much, make sense. Yeah, but it was like. I think they did a great job with Dan Stevens, or Dan Stevens did a great job with the David role, you know, so. This is a movie that feels and looks bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a smaller movie, but the budgeting and the, the, the just the action, the the story, everything's polished. It's yeah. a small story set within a larger world that they establish, but it's just that real level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And they, and I think that comes down to budgetary reasons. They were smart enough to not play in a sandbox that they shouldn't be playing in. Right. You know. Yeah. The I don't think the guest budget would have played well in Los Angeles or New York. We needed a cornfield. Damn it. They needed an outhouse. <laughs> but it also setting it in. I don't know if it's limitation, but setting it in like I don't know where it was, like Midwest, in, no, anywhereville, Midwestian, yeah. gives it that Halloween it's, feel. Because even if you set it a Halloween movie in New York or L.A., it still feels like oh, it's Halloween in New York and L.A. Right. But if you set it in anywhere, oh, small town USA, it's like, Halloween. It, it, it's Halloween. Yeah, it feels it's, like perpetual summer. Like if it's in Los Angeles or something mm, like that. Yeah, I get what Halloween. you're saying. And, and we mentioned it briefly, but that opening shot, echoes of Halloween Four, and anytime you can actually start a movie like that it establishes what you're going for everything like, hey, this everything. is going to be a fun horror movie mm, mm, mm. yeah with it's... guns instead of knives and knives and, and yeah grenades. with everything yeah. it's the kitchen sink mm-hmm. it's what your captain america agent uh u.s, US agent, agent. Yep. would would do without a doubt uh final thoughts uh, before we wrap up on the guest here go see it go, yeah go it's find yeah. it yeah it's definitely Especially worth the hour and a half this time yes. of year this is when you watch the guest mm-hmm. this is when you break it out for those people that you guarantee have not seen it so especially and especially in today's day and age when you go back to a lot of films that you're you've seen time and time again this is the time to introduce people to new stuff and if people say oh i don't like horror I'm like oh, but i want to see something halloween like okay cool it's, you know here's a great movie even though it's 100 percent horror the, the thing the thing with the guest and, and this is what i've i've recommended to a couple people and, and they've they've liked it the guest will not be for everybody, but it will always be somebody's first watch favorite film. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, they're going to go, oh, God, the guest. That's yeah. My ge-. But also, you can throw this, and you can throw this out to a normie and not say the word horror at all. Right. right. And they'll watch it and go, oh, that's not bad. That was a kind of a thriller. Yeah. And that's perfect. Good. Cool. As long as we got eyes on it. Yep. And appreciating it. Exactly. Preach Bottom the line. gospel of Dan Stevens. Innominus <laughs> yeah. Patris and Shower Cutters. What are they called? Cutters? Those muscles right I there do. by the... I don't wow. know, because I don't have them. I've never know, seen right? them myself, so yeah. <laughs> My cutters is dull. I just assume it's a Hollywood thing. It's lying to us. No one has those in real life. P- right? People have to do, like, abdominal workouts for those. What's yeah. a workout? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, I'm not down with that. This is the time to be feasting on candy. What? Speaking of feasting on candy, what's up with everybody in leggings? Did you notice that? Uh, Everybody uh, was on. Michael uh, Monroe was in leggings. Her friend was in leggings. It's October, leggings. man. I know. It's kind of chilly. But even at the even at the, their their it was part of their job outfit. I have to say that's e- that's either Simon Barrett's or Adam Wingard's thing. It's Tarantino. It's very very noticeable. Like, like Tarantino. Like I'm gonna write a script where Salma Hayek puts her foot in my mouth. When we open on <laughs> Michael Monroe, not to be creeps and nostalgia, but she's got the leggings on. She's got the underwear, the little shirt. I mean, it is very. Feast upon this gentleman. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh lord! And then later on, there's like like her skeleton leggings at the party. And yeah, like, it's like, all over. Everybody, everybody's got leggings. Maybe, I'm surprised maybe there was Stevens a maybe a Lululemon game came to town. I don't know. Maybe it it it's noticeable. It's noticeable. Good. Yeah, yeah no, you're you're, <laughs> you're you're not you're not that creep of nostalgia. Okay, you're one right. of the creeps of nostalgia. Okay, cool. <laughs> Go check it out. Get some leggings. Get some yeah. Dan Steven leggings. Yeah. There's 
again. Just get Dan Stevens' face all over him. I, I would. I would I'd rock, wear those. I would rock I'd some leggings those. with just Dan Stevens, but they probably wind up like stretched. Not out mine. Have you seen like German like sausage Stevens shoved into a casing? That's what I would look like in leggings. Right, like I'm turning from Dan Stevens to Stephen King when I put them on. Just like it's gonna sock the hell out of you. It's <laughs> if I put those on, it's it's less Dan Stevens and damn Stevens. <laughs> You disrespect us, Dan, 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 Dan Stevens. Stevens. <laughs> nice think, night court pull. I love it. I think that's the best way to close us out. Again, if you would like to hear all of that kind of banter, <laughs> make sure you are following everyone. At, yeah, listening along at Media Rewind. And again, there's no nothing better for me. <laughs> Usually listen first thing in the morning when you guys drop your episodes. Occasionally, they'll throw out some references to, to me, which I appreciate. And a lot of the times before you start saying something, I will say it out loud like, good Lord. And then... <laughs> Yeah, Greg probably right now is probably like, I do, I do. So check out Media Rewind. Uh, and again, Dustin, we were. Thanks pre- for having me on again, guys. We do appreciate you coming in, man. This is always fun. To it, was wonderful, it was wonderful being the guest on the guest. Huzzah! After 400 plus episodes. So we're going to be closing out October with another All Hallows Eve flick. And then, of course, looking back at the month that was October with the annual Halloween Hangover episode. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Dan Stevens, you're dreamy. No worries. Screenland, welcome back up to the stage, Simon Bet. Oh, boy. Well, first and foremost, man, congratulations on your directorial feature debut here. Uh, I've got a number of questions, but first and foremost... Uh, was not anticipating a revenge film based on the trailer that I saw for this film. So was that kind of the DNA of this movie, of this premise? What actually was the, the germ that got Seance started? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I guess, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I really just wanted to do a giallo, um, but I didn't like wanna, you know, and, and those always have a lot of twists. And, uh, you know, they always have, like, two or three more twists than, like, anyone would responsibly expect or want, um, you know. And so, like, you know, that I, I, I like that as a viewer. I like being surprised if it's in a slightly responsible way. Um, and, you know, I mean, all the twists in here hold up. I mean, yay. There it is. Yay. Oh, that's nice. Um, oh, and they even, they even did the, oh, it even spelled right. Um, no, I mean that, you know, our original poster was not, but, and, you know, we had, that was a choice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really just honestly wanted to do like a slasher giallo type thing. And, and then the, like, but, but, you know, I do tend to approach stories from a character perspective. And I guess like the, the, you know, the Camille Meadows character in this, just kind of like the David character in the guest, um, I kind of, and, and the Aaron character in your next. So your next actually came about like the original kind of inception creatively for your next uh, was, you know, Adam Wingard and I went to all these film festivals with a movie that we shot in Columbia, Missouri called A Horrible Way to Die. We also shot Your Next in Columbia, Missouri. Um, <laughs> shout out. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, Horrible Way to Die was, like, not... Uh, I mean, we got it into, like, the Toronto Film Festival. It was a movie that we, only, we made for, like, 60 grand total uh, at the time. And, um, you know, we were really proud of that achievement, but, like, everyone fucking hated that film. And you know, went to went to see it like expecting you know some like I saw the devil type extreme horror thing, and got just like this depressing mumblecore drama um, that we thought was like funny in sections. 
and it was a really like it was depressing like going to our screenings. It, it sucked. It was a bad experience. I I literally watched like Elijah Wood get up and walk out of one of my screenings. It was like, oh man, really? Um, and, and you know, it's just like one of those things, you know. And and so um, at the same time, you know, we were, I was hanging out with uh, Toronto. Uh, the guy who programmed uh, the Midnight Madness section for the Toronto Film Festival about 20 years, a guy named Colin Geddes, he was like, man, I'm so sick of just like these home invasion movies in which women are tied to chairs. And I was like, well, yeah, I should do like a home invasion movie where women aren't tied to chairs. And, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then I kind of went and I wrote your next and, you know, whatever. And then years later, I was like, but what if they were tied to chairs? And uh, that was how Sands came about, really. Well, so you mentioned a Jallo then, and we always kind of have a saying here, there's always room for Jallo. And in this case, let's look at like the thing. We had the black gloves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I like the black, it goes even further in that when you see <laughs> the hand slash the neck open, that is my hand in the black glove fucking up a special effect because I wanted to be like Argento. I did my best. That's okay. It's I, I, and I had to fix it with VFX because I did a bad job of cutting it. Well, it was really hard, and I and I blame I blame everyone else. Was it cathartic at all? No, <laughs> it was really stressful, and I was like, I want to like it. Actually, like I don't know if this is why Argento did it. I suspect it's not, um, but I did it because I didn't trust anyone else because we only had one one we only had one blood packet behind the silicone, and I was like, I do not trust anyone on my SFX team to cut this thing. I don't trust anyone here because they had to use like a real like knife with like a razor blade loaded into it, and it like I was just like I only trust myself. And I was like, fuck, I fucked it up. And I was like, cut. Great. We have a visual effects budget, right? And then uh, that's the, we fixed it. Well, you cut quite literally quite well, so that is impressive. But yeah, but that was a giallo. I was doing that specifically because I was like, and it's a giallo thing. And Kareem was like, yes. And everyone else on set was just like, I hate this guy. <laughs> no room for uh, giallo Kareem, for them? Kareem Hussein, a cinematographer of this film, uh, has seen every giallo but yeah yeah so black glove killer and and but the main giallo thing this movie has that no one has called out yet because um you know i don't think people are necessarily studying this film under a microscope um but uh but but it, the main giallo thing that i wanted to do was the like kind of like i think i know who the killer is meet me at the plaza tomorrow at noon like and, and i'll tell you and you know it was just that kind of like like i wanted yvonne before she goes off to dance to be like really kind of feeling like wait is it bethany like, kind of, like, I wanted them all to just be, like, kind of vaguely suspicious of each other than getting murdered. I don't know how much that came across. You have to go know your Jallo, I think, pretty well with that. <sighs> yeah, or care, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on now, come on now. That being said, the score for this film actually added to that as well, mm. I thought. Just that kind of not Goblin-esque, but a little Steve Moore-esque, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Steve Moore, of course, uh, of Zombie being an artist that we worked with on uh, both, both actually... Uh, People talk a lot about Steve's score of, on The Guest because I think that uh, influenced a, a couple things. But, um, but he actually contributed a couple tracks to Your Next as well. And even before that, Adam Wingard's Homesick. Um, so Steve is a friend for years. But I knew kind of, um, you know, doing my first feature, I, I, I didn't want to just do the synthwave kind of thing um, that we'd done before. And, and I wanted something more kind of classical and, um, you know, just like, just more kind of minimalistic in and, and in a kind of more classical style. So I reached out to Sickerman, um, who had done the beats for a hip-hop album that I like called uh, Dr. My Own Patience by the artist Serengeti, uh, which is a really depressing rap album. And the beats are like all done with like a cello and stuff. And, and, and I was just like, this is, um, this is just strange. And I looked him up and he does a lot of German experimental theater and he'd never done a film before. I was like, oh, 
this guy's going to have a hard time saying no to me. Uh, and, and so I, sure enough, I sent him a Facebook message. And like literally, I sent him a Facebook message. I was like, dude, like, here's my deal. Like, I've written a couple films. I want to direct this thing. I think you should maybe consider doing the music. Like, what would you think? Like, I kind of want like a Brian Eno vibe. And he just sent me like basically the score to the film. He was just like, here's some tracks. Like, interesting that you would reach out. Here's some tracks. <laughs> And and like it, it like it was literally like seven tracks, and they ended up like being like the score, and I played them for like the cast and stuff, because you know it's it's uh, the way Adam and I used to work back in the day is he would never really know what I was writing. We kind of gave each other a lot of creative space, but he would always send me music, and especially that really informed the guest, like, and particularly the character of Anna played by Micah Monroe in the guest, like like how she's into goth industrial music, because Adam was just sending me a bunch of goth industrial music, and I was like. Whoa. And, and, you know, he was just like, because Adam's whole thing is he won't, he will never, like, pressure me to be like, what are you doing? Like, what are we doing next? But he, he'll be like, will this film fit this song? Because, you know, ultimately he has to direct and edit and it has to be his movie. And so he, so he needs to understand that, like, on a really, like, very specific level that almost can't work. Words aren't that useful. But, like, but, like, but he'll be like, so send me, like, a Clan of Zymox song and be like, you know, are you writing something that would fit this song? And I'll be like, yeah, I could do that. Uh, yeah, 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 maybe, uh, yeah, maybe. And, and that kind of is how he shaped, like, my scripts without having to, like, look over my shoulder at all, you know, when we were working together in that particular collaborative way. Now we've been actually writing scripts in the same room, uh, which is a lot more fun. Uh, but, you know, it depends. Like, we've got a couple projects coming out that, that, uh, that I wrote, and we've got a couple projects coming out that we're writing together. But um, anyway, I, that was a long way of saying that I think um, Sometimes tone is a hard thing to explain, and, and, and it's particularly my sense of humor with a film like this is not necessarily obvious. There's no real jokes um, indicating that, you know, in fact, the film's, I, I've had a lot of people reach out and say that they find the film quite depressing uh, and, 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 uh, and, and morose, which it is. It is a melancholy film, but I think it's funny, and, and you know, the, but the jokes aren't necessarily on the page. So I kind of wanted to play music for the cast, you know, before these scenes to kind of be like, hey, so I know this scene might seem like kind of just like Ouija 3 or whatever, but it's going to be weird. You know, we're going to be doing it a weird way. It's not going to be that. And uh, Sickerman really helped with that because, I mean, his score was just so unique. And I mean, I, I really, yeah, Sickerman already has scored the next thing I directed. So, so like, we're already, we've already done it again. Uh, so we're going to keep doing it again. Well, you talked about a little bit about the, like, the collaboration between you and Adam in terms of you as the screenwriter, Adam as the director. Did you approach this screenplay differently, just knowing potentially you would be the one directing it? Yeah, I tried to, because I mean, I, it's almost like a literal a joke, like with Adam and me, where I'll just write like, and the building explodes, figure, and then I'm just like, figure it out, Adam, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, because um, you know, when you're writing and producing, you're just like, well, buddy, I, I guess, you know, we will figure out how you're going to actually make that feel real. Um, you know, for myself, I, I admit, you know, this, this, that, um, you know, the reason I wanted to direct this as my first feature is, is I thought, um, just I felt like it was achievable. Like, I felt like it was a single location thing. Um, you know, more along the lines of, like, you're next. And I thought that, like, you know, I only had 22 shooting days, uh, four weeks of prep. You know, it was a really tight, small budget thing. It was basically kind of a Hallmark production in Winnipeg. Um, like, legit, no, I mean, for real. Like, like I had a Hallmark crew, and, and they were awesome. But you had to, like, make it clear that you weren't making a Hallmark movie. Um, but, I mean, like, my gaffer, Lawrence, I mean, those flickering lights, that is not easy to do. This guy, like, worked with Guy Madden, but he just does, he, I mean, he does, like, every Hallmark movie, you know, like, like a pup for Christmas. Like, he's the guy who lit that. Like, and he's, like, brilliant, but you just have to tell him, like, hey, we're not doing a pup for Christmas. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he'll, like, bring, like, his, like, A game. 
Um, so I, you know, I had an awesome crew and an awesome cast, but it was, it was a really small budget thing and I wasn't working with anyone I'd ever worked with before. It was just, no one really wanted to finance this movie. I think people saw the script and were just like, no. And, uh, and so I finally cobbled together a couple million dollars and was able to, you know, which obviously is not nothing, uh, and was able to pull it off. But, you know, it was, this was significantly less than like The Guest and, and films like that, you know, that I'd been working on. And, and so I kind of did think it was really contained. Uh, but then, you know, I, I've mentioned this before in interviews, so I hope no one's read them and, and, and I'm not repeating myself. But, um, but basically every school in Winnipeg told us to say absolutely fuck off. Uh, they took a look at the script, uh, which the film office was not, instructed to send to them, but they did. And, and uh, so no schools would let us film in them. So, uh, so that really put a wrench in my, like this is gonna be slightly easy to make plan. So was the four weeks of prep, and so was the like, I don't have a cast like three days out from shooting. Uh, you know, there was like, it's just like the usual low budget stuff. You just don't have a safety net, you know, no reshoots, no nothing, you know, not even, I mean, to say nothing of the COVID of it all, I, I, I you know, and having to color grade this movie on an iPad. I mean, it's remarkable, like, but I mean, this is the biggest screen like I've seen this on, and this is probably the last time I'll see this on a screen, uh, you know, because it's a, you know, it's mostly a video movie. But like, you know, I I, I designed it for both experiences, obviously, um, and you know, it was it was there was a lot of kind of challenges, but that's just like low budget stuff. You go into it kind of knowing you don't have a safety net, and like, if you don't get a scene, you don't get that scene. Like you know, like that scene in the library. It's like we had five hours to shoot that, and if we kept going. We, well, I wouldn't have been able to finish the movie. I mean, we couldn't have kept going. Like, we, we could not go back to that location. We couldn't go back to any of those locations. So it was always like, okay, I have like four hours to get this fight scene, and then we have to get out of here. You know, so, but I mean, that's just like the running and gunning of it all. But I, I, I did, I, my original plan was a single location film where we'd find like an awesome school, and then I was going to rewrite the script to like fit that school. And then we ended up using like eight different locations. Like the dorm rooms are, you know, the, well, the dorm room, it's just one dorm room, which is a build on a storage facility that we're just changing the posters and stuff and the position of the pipe um, to make it look like it's different dorm rooms. And then, uh, you know, like the dance, you know, the dance scene is in a, uh, like a home for the deaf. Uh, the, the principal scenes are all in a women's retirement center where they play mahjong and, and, uh, like, like all the, the exteriors are all just a private residence where a pharmaceutical, like a, all I was told is he was a dot-com pharmaceutical guy who like tried to turn the place into a nightclub and fucked up so badly that when the bank foreclosed on it, his neighbor bought the place to control who lived there next. So it was just sitting there vacant and we were, drive, we were driving around, like this is where we were at. We were like two weeks out driving around Winnipeg looking for a place that looked like a school. And I'm like, that place looks like a fucking school. Let's pull over. And we pulled over and it was vacant. I was like, who owns this? What the fuck's going on? And, and we, you know, we finally tracked it down through the realtor and they were like, oh yeah, you can shoot here. You just can't go inside. And we're like, all right. So, so you know, like, so, like our interiors are, you know, our interiors are mostly abandoned bank building. Like when you see the hallway, that's, a, that's the third story of a bank. So, I mean, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. Like, tying all that together sucked. And like, so when like Helena like peers out the window and sees the flickering light and, and is like, oh, I should go rescue Camille. I'm not clear what her plan was. Uh, you know, that's, that's us up on a lift. Uh, Kareem and my production designer, Marlena Fihiri, and, I, and I'm the one moving the blind, and we have the, like this, this window up on a lift trying to make it look like that window is somewhat near that building uh, because they're just unrelated. Uh, but, you know, you try to make it look like a school, and I think ultimately it just kind of unconsciously comes across. But, yeah, I thought this would be really easy. <laughs> 
as you as I think any first time director would tell you, don't expect anything to go right. It's always going to go wrong. Well, I should have known that. I mean, I produced enough movies. I knew. I mean, I did know that. I just thought like. I still had enough of a safety net to like get the film done. And I guess I guess technically I did. We we just experienced yeah. it, so most definitely. It, yeah, no, and we sold it for a profit. That that in of itself is. That's the real. That's the real secret. That's the real magic. Well, so you 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 said you didn't really have a full cast till about three days before. Well, roughly? that's actually not even. That's literally not accurate. We didn't have a full. Uh, the headmistress, uh, Mrs. Landry, played by Marlene, uh, Marina Stevenson Kerr, uh, was cast at her table read the day before filming. Day before day one, which which by the way featured her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought she went did very well. I remember she's her great. Oh, she's awesome. Colt of Chucky. I remember her. Yeah, Colt of Chucky. Uh, I knew her from Channel Zero, uh, Channel Zero seasons uh, one and four. She's a Channel Zero person. Also, uh, Trevor played by uh, Seamus Patterson. Uh, if you're a Channel Zero person, uh, uh, I believe season two, the the uh, what is No End House. He's the No End. He's a major role in No End House, and I thought he was so awesome in that. There's this. I don't want to spoil it, but he he has a great kind of scene where he interacts with himself in that series. And I thought he was just awesome. So yeah, I, I, actually, Channel Zero is, is why I filmed in Winnipeg. Uh, my buddy E.L. Katz, uh, Evan Katz, who directed like Cheap Thrills and stuff, he directed season four, The Dream Door, and was just like, crews are great, pretty cheap, like not so bad, no one stabbed me. And I was like, all right, Winnipeg. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, because I, I knew I wanted old architecture, and you know, I knew I was making a movie about you know, like under three million, you know, and, and so uh, I knew I had limitations. Um, yeah. So could we call qualify this as a Canucksploitation film? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's either Canucksploitation, yeah, I mean, I guess it is, because, but it's a funny thing, because, I mean, Madison Beatty, who plays Bethany, is the only American cast member, uh, and myself, Marlena, our production designer, and Connie Hoy, our, our line producer, were the only Americans on set, like on crew, uh, so it's kind of just a Canadian movie. <laughs> Um, actually, I mean, and our financing is all over the place. I mean, you know, again, we cobbled together basically 2.5 million to make this ultimately, which again is, is, is obviously nothing to shake a stick at, but with a short amount of time and, uh, you know, it ended up going pretty quick. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of just, I guess, a British Canadian co-production with an American director. Totally worked. Totally yeah. worked. I mean, I guess, I mean, no one cares anymore. Cinema. You know, you, you get it. There, there's the few of them out there. Um, now, they say to write what you know. So I'm curious, did you get into any Ouija or summoning shenanigans when you were a kid or a pre-adult? I mean, I guess. Like, but, I, you know, I've never been... I, I'm, not, I'm not too interested in the supernatural. I mean, I like it, like, in fiction. But in real life, I just, like, assume that it's just like anything else. That if, like, the house is haunted, that it's just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, it's just like any other thing. It just, like, sucks. It's like a rainstorm. Like, like whatever. Like, you know, I just, it doesn't, it, that doesn't stress me out. Like, I'd be much more stressed out about, like, a particularly large spider. I'd be like, what the fuck am I going to do? I guess I should move. Um, but if my place was haunted, I'd just be like, shut up. You know, like, what are you going to do, really? Like, there's very little evidence that you can affect me. Shut up. That's actually also how I feel about aliens. And so, uh, but, and so I wanted the film to kind of reflect that, actually, that, like, Carrie is a ghost. Uh, she is hanging on, but she's capable of almost nothing. Uh, as you can see, uh, she's, I, I, there's, um, I like, 
I, I think it was the Mothman prophecies that kind of clarified the idea to me that like all supernatural stories are basically just saying that like ghosts are bad at communication. And like particularly like the conjuring films, like what are the demons even doing? They just like throw people against the walls until they get tired and exercise them. Um, and, and you know, I just don't understand what like, like why don't you just make their hearts explode if you can throw them against the wall, just like kill them or, or, or not. I don't know what you're doing, demon. So, so, so like, so I wanted like seance to like, I wanted the supernatural arc to reflect what I think is like slightly realistic, which is that like, maybe the, you know, feelings do linger and in particular if something like truly awful happened, maybe there is like a, like a remnant of that, but it can't really bother you unless you let it. And, and, and so I kind of wanted that to be like the real supernatural mythology of this. And in fact, when Helena's high and she says, I guess it's hard to say why ghosts do what they do. That's basically like the thesis of that little tale is like, I don't know, they're dead. Like they're just having a different experience. Like it's just weird. She shows up and she's like looking out the window. I guess I should look out the window. I feel like that's like, I don't know. I guess I just felt like that felt realistic to what a real ghost would be. Uh, yeah. What was your question? Yeah, I think we got there. Cool. Um, I want to make sure because we do have a 915 screen, oh, the maximum oh, overdrive coming oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which obviously uh, everyone like should just refuse to leave their seats. That's right. But uh, what, are, what are they going to do? There's so many of you. But I do want to give some props on the light bulb kill. I haven't seen anything that gruesome oh. and violent since like the raid. Yeah, the MPA just fell asleep. <laughs> They like just didn't get to the ending. Someone said, like, someone was just like, like, you know, they're not, you're not supposed to show like blood spurting out of a wound like in a Fulci movie. I was like, eh. eh. Have they know. never seen a Jallo flick? I, I mean, undoubtedly they have not. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have always had a good relationship with MPA because uh, when VHS two got an NC seventeen, they were actually really helpful and 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 getting like I, I was the person who had to like tell Gareth Evans and Timo Gianto in Indonesia that I had to like create an R-rated version for Walmart. And uh, the MPA was actually really helpful because I wasn't going to cut a frame out of VHS2 to create this stupid R-rated version just to sell some DVDs to some rubes. Like, you know, so I, I, was, I was absolutely not going to do that. That felt like an insult to, to everyone, including the consumer, quite genuinely. So we just digitally glitched we made it look like a tracking error whenever there was anything that got us an NC-17. If you've seen VHS-2, you haven't seen this version that I'm talking about. You've seen the NC-17 version because we just buried this thing. But, but the MPA were totally cool, actually. Everyone who talks shit about them, I, I didn't have a negative experience with them. And so I think they're cool. I'm just honestly glad I got to hear someone say rubes today in a conversation <laughs> that it kind of made it. Now, um, does anyone out in the audience have any specific questions? Ah, right out there in the middle. Good, sir. Oh, wait. And, and, and oh. by the way, every oh, question yes. gets a poster. So, so whether you like it or not, <laughs> you are the proud owner of a sand. You could use it as wrapping paper. You, but you have to come down and get it, because, I mean, otherwise, really work-intensive for us. Uh, so there's this legend called Bloody Mary. <laughs> that I was kind of, that I was mainly riffing on, to be honest with you. Um, I, I really wasn't going for anything uh, too specific or, or particular. It was it was a combo of Bloody Mary and Candyman, really. 
mixed with maybe some like J horror attempt at like a J horror imagery with her in the bathtub. Um, no, I, I wasn't going for anything specific. I, but but I will say that I I've been trying to put a kind of opening a scene like that in a movie for a while. I can't I kind of cannibalize that opening scene from like an old script that wasn't any good. Um, just because I like the idea of like people trying to conjure like a ghost and then finding like a bloody bathtub behind them. So no, I, I wasn't going on, uh, no, no specific legend. It was really just the Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary legend. Um, I, I don't like, I don't remember the specifics, but it, but yeah, the Edelwein ghost is really just supposed to be like a, a regionalism of Bloody Mary, like that happened at that school. But it, of course, as you, it turns out, is based on a real uh, actual thing that happened at the school. Because uh, Trevor's been an asshole for like since he was 12. <laughs> Good question, uh, anyone else? Yeah. Oh, uh, goodness. Oh, wait. Uh, yes, uh, white, white shirt, and then uh, you're, you're next. That's all that matters. You should have just immediately, you should have just been like, got it, and just got up and left. <laughs> like, just title cards. Uh, yeah, the sound design. The question is: uh, is sound design? Question mark. Um, so, so, uh, so the 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 team that did the sound design for this film uh, also did Blair Witch, The Guest, and Your Next, and uh, VHS Two. Uh, we worked with them for the first time on Your Next, and we were just like, "Oh, that was nice," and we've been with them ever since. Uh, so, so at this point, um, I, I they, they're the only people actually, other than executive producer Adam Wingard, who I'd worked with before. Um, they were the only people that I brought onto this that I'd ever worked with before because they did all those films and, and they're just really like they really get it It's like like little things like like oh when the light flickers There should just be a thunder rumbling like like scraping sound off somewhere and you're like Yeah, I don't know why but yeah, that's exactly right. Yes Like you nailed that and I mean and this is not an easy movie to sound design I think they said that like the light flickers they were just basically like we're not gonna work with you again if you keep doing this <laughs> Um, this this like light flickering gag that you think is funny because uh, because I also am really unforgiving about light flickering sounds so I needed I made them put a BB in a filament bulb and rattle it because I didn't think it had the right hollowness and I do I mean you know and there's a lot of light flickers in this movie but I mean they're just they're just really quite brilliant people and I have a really good relationship with them and so you know and then Sickerman you know with the score had provided them I think with with a a real template for what the kind of ambiance or feeling of the sound should be. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing really like fancy in this. I'm doing like a lot of like the breathing and stuff that's usual. I mean, like in, in your next, I'm doing all the breathing and grunts usually behind a mask. Like that's just normal because we can't afford to bring anyone else in. Um, but there wasn't anything like too fancy. I actually, I got really lucky because during COVID, a lot of Foley artists were out of work and, and I truly probably couldn't have afforded a Foley job as good as this film has. It has really good Foley. I like you have to be kind of weird to care about something like that, but but I got I got way I got fully fully artist way outside I was way way out of my league. <laughs> Can you say the first part of that? I'm so sorry. Oh, rituals when I'm writing? Like, like sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I'm having, because the air conditioner. Is that the, like, do I have any, like, neurotic rituals when I'm writing? Oh, yeah. And that's the question? 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally do. I mean, in addition to drinking, you know, caffeine and smoking weed and staring at Twitter and, <laughs> and wondering uh, why, at the, you know, in my 40s, my writing process still is so awful and neurotic and why I still procrastinate, literally. I, I, I'm going to tell you a true story. I just delivered a rewrite 18 months later than my contractual deadline. And they were cool with it. Because it, it, it was pretty good. But, but that is not okay. Like, that is a sign of a disorganized mind and someone who like, is not doing great in their professional life. Like, like, I mean, I'm doing great in my professional life, but just not emotionally. Like, so, you know, so my writing process sucks. That's why Adam now has to sit in the room with me and poke me in the eye to get me to type. I mean, it's like, you know, but, but a lot of that honestly was this, making this was really exhausting. And, you know, and I didn't really know, you know, again, I really, like, this is not even a joke. I bought this movie Thursday at midnight on iTunes to QC it. Because I was not convinced that we'd properly delivered the elements because we had so many fuck ups during COVID. And, and I got so intense with so many people that like, I was no longer certain that I was getting good information. <laughs> So, 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 and you know, and none of my producers are speaking to me, and there's a lot of credited producers on this film, <laughs> but they all made money, so whatever. Um, but, 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 I mean, it's a true statement that, like, the, the last uh, year, uh, you know, my writing just like my writing process is as neurotic and obsessive and awful as you could possibly imagine, um, and which is absurd because I'm so fortunate to be able to make a living doing what I do, but I'm I'm able to make that a very miserable thing. Uh, in the front row, please. Uh, the question is, uh, what did I want to be when I grew up and how did I get here? Um, I, I always wanted to make movies. That is a true statement. Uh, before I even knew really what a director was, I wanted to direct films. Um, you know, like I remember seeing, I think for like me, it was like Monty Python and the Holy Grail was probably the first movie I watched enough times <laughs> that I started to like understand kind of what editing was. And then from there, it was like Evil Dead 2 probably was like the next step of like my film education of like, oh, and you can move the camera. Um, but like, but you know, but I like, the, like as soon as I kind of understood what like cinema was, I, I wanted to make movies and even before I kind of knew what that meant. Um, you know, obviously growing up in Columbia, Missouri, you know, being kind of like, I guess, working class or whatever, uh, you know, I didn't really have a direct avenue to that. So I made a bunch of cheap movies in Missouri. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but, and that worked out, but, um, and then, I mean, how did I, you know, and, that, and that's, and so, so the question, you know, I'm not going to do a, like, I drove here, um, like, no, no this, so the question is, how did I achieve any kind of point where I can make a living doing it, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the simplest answer I would give you is, I wrote a really low budget horror film in 2002 for myself to direct that I was planning to make for about $60,000 in Missouri, and, uh, and I showed it to a friend to like get him acting in it. And, and he worked at a studio and he was like, this is okay. Like, you know, we would maybe finance this, but obviously you wouldn't be allowed to direct it. I was, cause I, and I was yeah. like, well, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, like, cause then that movie was Dead Birds. It was made for 1.5 million in 2003. And that was, and on that set, I met Adam Wingard. Um, and, and that really led to like my career. It, it, there was about, like 10 years of just like pure poverty and despair in between where I worked a day job and 
Yeah, there was poverty and despair prior to that as well, I should say. Um, but, 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 but uh, you know, it, it took me truly about 10 years. I, I think I quit my day job in, in 2012, um, and my day job was, was really starting to wear on me. Um, but, it, you know, obviously a lot, a lot of people have it worse. Uh, but that was that was my so that that was that's was my answer. That's my answer is I wrote a low budget horror film and I wrote it thinking like a director and producer like, OK, I'm not going to write myself any problems, anything that's difficult to do. And because of that, people wanted to buy it. And, and, and so so I, I learned that lesson and I kept writing those scripts. We got um, time for one final question. No. Uh, well, OK. <laughs> Well, we have to give away ten posters. Oh, we'll give them. We'll give them away. Oh, uh, all right. I see the hands. Uh, th this gentleman right there in the middle was was next. Uh, blue shirt. Yes, you. Uh, yeah. So you've you've made a you've made a film before. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean that's that's a really intuitive observation. So I, I chose to shoot this anamorphic, and the, the opening scene in this movie, I mean, I, I would reshoot 40% of this film if I could. I mean, that's, I mean, I feel like every director probably feels that way. You should always have like 100% confidence and like 0% self-satisfaction if you're making a movie, because you know, you have to get better. But, but uh, a scene I would love to reshoot is the opening scene, because I got into that scene using these anamorphic lenses and realized because of the lenses, I had to film the entire scene into the mirror which meant the eye lines were all insane. And I just spent like, I mean, it was just a nightmare. So, so yeah, so, so Kareem Hussein, who shot this film, brilliant director of photography, shot Possessor, if any of you saw that, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which was probably my favorite film of last year. Uh, yeah, really brilliant uh, cinematographer. And, and uh, a friend of mine for many years, we saw Duragento's Dracula 3D together, which is the kind of thing that just bonds you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he and I made, a, made the choice. So here's, okay, I'm gonna answer this succinctly, but it'll give everyone time to do whatever they're doing. Uh, the, the real answer is we found out that our deliverables list for this film had not been updated since 2010, which was a loophole that someone had forgotten at our sales company, Hanway, who arranged most of the financing for this film. They hadn't updated it, so it hadn't been updated to 4K or anything else. We could shoot the movie 2K ProRes, technically, and they had to accept it. And then we were like, well, wait, so if we shoot this 2K ProRes with a bunch of anamorphic lenses, we're gonna really get that like old classical look. And since this is such a low budget movie, you know, I was really concerned that it would look really cheap. I really wanted to make like a different kind of aesthetic choice. And then we just completely fucked ourselves. We just completely fucked ourselves because the entire movie's interiors in rooms the size of like a bathroom stall. And to use those anamorphic lenses, you have to have, you know, they double the distance that you need to be from an actor and the, and the depth of field is like an inch. So if like Suki didn't hit her mark by like an inch, she was out of focus. And unfortunately Suki's a model and LRA is a model and, and almost everyone else in my cast were dancers. So I'd just be like, like one inch to the left. And like, you know, Anana would just be like, and I'd be like, ah, I said one, like, ah, just come. And I just like come in and just like 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 I'd have to like micro adjust everyone. It was a nightmare. But I mean, there's like there's no shots in this movie that are like out of focus. But we're using these fucked up lenses. Um, we also used a lens that was actually used literally to film Easy Rider, um, that Kareem <laughs> found in India. Uh, but it had mold inside of it that looked insane. So normally, like you'd have producers saying, "Don't do this," but all my producers stayed away from set. I had no producers telling me not to do this. But it, but it, but it, but it was it was a genuine challenge embracing that like anamorphic 
like old lens look. And you know, I think a lot of times directors do stuff like that as kind of an empty signifier of quality, like shooting on film. And then it's like, oh, well, your movie's never gonna be seen on film, but great job. Like, you know, it's like, why are you doing that? Like, you have no reason. Like, like, like I wanna hear your actual reason artistically. My reason for this artistically was that if I didn't make a choice, like, I really felt like it would not have worked. Like, I had to kind of embrace the aesthetic of, of like, what have you done to Solange, you know, to make this work. Um, though, though I will say that like my main influences included uh, genuinely uh, Valentine and Witchboard, Urban Legends, whatever, Urban Legend, whatever. Well, hold on, there is someone out there that there she is. I knew you cannot dis disparage Urban Legends. You will I, be. I, I like Urban Legend, and I like Urban Legends Final Cut, and I like Urban Legend Three, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. But 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 you know, I mean, they weren't really things I was looking at. But Valentine, I studied, and uh, and Witchboard, I absolutely studied. Tawny Katane, um, rest in peace. So anyway, yeah, it was really tight, and and you you can absolutely tell that I'm, I, you, you, I'm shooting some of those scenes in weird ways. But I also feel like that's probably led me to some interesting creative choices. I mean, that's where all the weird close-ups came in, like the weird close-up language that feels kind of intimate, which is because I was like, oh, this is the, what the shot looks like. Well, all right, you know, and 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 I think that actually kind of led to an interesting language. I mean, obviously, no one. <laughs> Again, no one is examining this movie at that level, but if, if anyone chose to, I think it, it does kind of hold up, uh, you know, like what the shots are doing in terms of like perspective and intimacy and such. And, you know, and again, with like the sound design, you know, you're obviously with characters when you're hearing what they're hearing and you're not with them when you're not, when you're hearing what's in the room. Um, and especially with uh, Suki's character, that's, that kind of tells you where, she, where she's at emotionally. Um, not that anyone cares about what I'm talking about. No, wait, that was it. Oh, that was the last question. Okay, great. All right, so again, <laughs> sincerely, man, congratulations on Seance. Thank you all so much for coming out. This is, this is the last time I will see this in a theater, so I, it was great to see it with this crowd. Thank you so much. Yeah.